Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Also, you can follow us on Twitter if you want to. It's at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Welcome to this week's edition of Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo, as always, welcomed by my co-host in Los Angeles, Mitchell Whitfield. Mitchell, welcome to another week of Your Tech Report. Well, you know, right back at you. I'm uh, I'm excited this week because uh, we don't we have some pretty cool interviews coming up. Today? We do. You know, we're going to stray from the normal. We're going to talk about something that is of interest to the same kind of audience of ours, and that is a, a comic book delivery subscription service called Comic Bento. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to D Link about their product lineup from CES, yes. and yep. we're going to you know what we're going to talk about living with the Apple Watch for for quite some time now. It's almost a year that we've been wearing this watch, and we want to talk about that as well. But the, the coming weeks are going to be exciting as well, Mitchell. We've got some great interviews lined up. Up for the coming weeks, and uh, I'm very excited to be here on this show and be able to bring this to everybody. You know what's really exciting, Mark? And I know we've said exciting too many times. I feel like a kid that says, you know, yeah, yeah, and uh, like a lot. But hey, we are excited. And one of the things we have to be excited about is, you know, every year at CES, as entrenched as we are in the tech world, Mark, and the great relationships that we do have, which we're very appreciative of and for, uh, let's face it, every year at CES, we managed to make new relationships. We forged these new relationships with companies that were excited, whose products are being released. And we always get more people on board this show. So for our listeners, over over the coming weeks and the coming months, get ready because you're going to hear from more companies that you whose products you use, uh, more products that we're reviewing. So every year at CES, we build our relationships, and I think it makes for a better show. You know, I, I hope it does. And you know, speaking of which, you know, this particular week, we always like to kick off the show and talk about things that happened this week. I think yes. it's funny because you know it's not a big uh, time for tech right now. You know, CES people are calming down as we wait for some product announcements and stuff in the coming months. I mean, Apple took the opportunity this week to update. Other and fix a lot of bugs in their operating systems. We're talking about iOS. So if you're using an iPhone or an iPad, you're going to want to get those updates. Uh, obviously, El Capitan, their operating system, updated as well. A lot of under-the-hood bug fixes, but they also released their beta of iOS 9.3, which gives us a very cool glimpse into the future of what the next update is going to bring us, which is kind of neat. Uh, Mark, there's one thing we're forgetting to mention, which I can't believe we're forgetting to mention, which is didn't Apple release a new proprietary app for recording music for musicians? That, that's a very good point. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> um, you know what? I, as not being a musician, it's um, it's hard to really get how to use the app um, the, the proper way, but it's really about being able to capture ideas while you're on the go. No matter where you are with your iOS device, you can now use this app to record, whether it be riffs on a guitar, or, you know, different things, and then you can... You you know, take notes. It's I think it's called Music Memos, and and it lets you 
take music making to a next level and harness those instant ideas when you have them. Basically, it's taking their memo concept or their basic voice recorder and applying it to musicians. Like you said, who get ideas, who get inspired while on the road while they don't have access to their full kit or their full gear. It's really cool. I tried playing with it a little bit, but I'm not a musician. Yes, yeah, I tried using it as a voice app, and I can tell you now, uh, you know, there are plenty of great voice apps on the App Store, even Apple's voice recorder. This is not meant to be a voice app. It is meant for musicians. The tool set is for musicians. And if you are an aspiring or existing musician, it really is a cool tool to having your kid there uh, you know there is a show going on right now it's called nam it's it's big it's this big show for uh for you know audio engineers you know that kind of production space some cool announcements from companies like mackie they release this brand new control surface for their uh, their new mixers so some stuff will will come out of nam that we will talk about as well you know the, one of the biggest stories i read this week was uh, one of apple's biggest suppliers this company foxconn that's out in shenzhen china we know about them because we receive packages from them all the time uh, they put a 5.3 billion dollar bid in to purchase sharp Sharp, Sharp Electronics. Electronics. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so this relatively unknown company that really is more behind the scenes. Right. Not only well, put a, a bid known in. company, but not known in that part of well, the exactly, industry, Exactly, right? but not, yeah. not, not only they put a bid in, but a $5.3 billion bid to buy Sharp, which is, you know, the fledgling company that was so popular for so many years. I remember I still have my, my Sharp Aquos line of, of, of monitors and TVs throughout my house, and it's uh, they're not doing so well. So this is an interesting opportunity for a company like that to get behind the scenes into a company like Sharp and use that name. You know, it, 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 it's so strange because it wasn't that long ago, Mark, that you said that Sharp was so, and I'm not saying they're irrelevant. They're not irrelevant. That's disrespectful and, you know, not good information. But I think they've become less relevant over the years as companies like Panasonic and, well, Panasonic's always about that Samsung has exploded. Panasonic's still there. Sony's still very much there. I think Sharp has taken a back seat. So it'll be interesting to see where they're going to go with this. Are they going to rebrand, expand, sort of revitalize the name? Because Sharp is a name we all grew up with. So it'll be nice to to see that brand sort of revitalized with a new product line. Oh my God. Oh my God, Mitchell. Uh, Microsoft. I'm my water. I'm so excited. Microsoft <laughs> is, uh, they've announced they've actually started releasing their new Surface Books and Surface Pro 4 with higher storage capacities now. So you can now get a one terabyte of storage, whether that be in the Surface Book or the Surface Pro 4. You still get that Intel Core i7 processor, but you're going to spend a lot of money for this kind of storage packed into a package like that. So be ready to spend. The most powerful Surface Pro 4 costs $2,699 in the U.S., which means about 10 million Canadian. Flash storage is still, the price has not come down the way people thought they have. They're less expensive, but not cheap. Uh, you know, I just want to take it in a different direction. You know, we have a great relationship with Milwaukee Tool. Yes. And they announced their one key, their Wi-Fi connected tools. We're going to be getting that this year, early this year and testing those. We had some requests for some other reviews and they sent us some other great products. The M18 Fuel Hammer Drill Driver, which is the bigger brother of the yeah. M12 Fuel that I was using. Absolutely brilliant. Everything the M12 does on a bigger scale, more power, obviously more of a workspace tool. I've been using it. I've been drilling the heck out of things, whether it's been doing drilling or driving. It's unbelievable. They also sent us this great LED lantern that works with the M18 line of batteries. Uh, it has different, um, I think it has three or four different settings for lighting different areas. I actually had some work done in my attic, put this thing in the attic, and it's a pretty big crawl space up there. Yeah. Illuminated the entire thing. I had to turn it down a notch. Oh, really? It was almost too bright. And that's battery and the powered? 
battery powered, M18 powered. It is beautiful, lasts for hours. And the last thing they sent was really something, maybe the most useful thing of all, the rapid charge station, which charges six batteries simultaneously, three M12, three M18, charges them fast, keeps them charged at the workspace at home. I love this stuff. I'm using it all the time, and we're going to go more in-depth in the coming weeks. Coming up right here on your tech report, as we said, an interview all about a new comic book subscription service. And don't forget that interview with D-Link, and we'll get all up into that Apple Watch when we come back right here on your tech report. Your tech report will be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Woodfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, I want to I want to stray from the ordinary for a moment here. I love that. Let's do it. We talk about a lot of consumer electronics, but there is a, a, a portion of our audience, and, and let's admit it, you know what? People who are into consumer tech and keep people who are into tech tend to also fall into another category, which is which is comic books. Okay? Right, of course. So there's a service that I happen to be kind of close to because they, they run out of my own office, but let's <laughs> let's not get that into the picture. But it's it's a great subscription box service, and we've talked to, to several of them, have we not? Yes, we have. And I, you know what? I just want to jump in here a second. I, I know people think it may be a little off topic in terms of technology, but collectibles uh, and technology really go hand in hand because we find the same people that love technology and all the new gadgets also love their monthly subscription services. So it's really not that much of a reach here. Exactly. So joining us in studio is Jeff Moss, and he is the overseer of all. That's his official title, right? It's, it's on my throne, yes. It, <laughs> when it comes to this particular box, which is Comic Bento, you can find out all about Comic Bento at comicbento.com. But like we like to do, instead of just trying to regurgitate what things are, let's talk about the concept of Comic Bento, Mr. Moss. Sure, yeah. Well, Comic Bento is uh, at, at, at its basest. It's, it's just like any other subscription box. You pay a fee, you're sent uh, some stuff, and you don't know what it is until you get it. Now, what we found with most subscription boxes these days is that you get, you know, uh, you get a t-shirt, you get a little action figure, you get some pins, some mm-hmm. stickers. There might be like one or two cool things you like in there, and then after a few months, you've got piles of stuff that you don't really know what to do with. Yeah, that's on my, my desk in the corner there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, with Comic Bento, uh, we're all huge comic fans. We've I've personally been reading comics for literally 30 years at this point. Um, we wanted to share our love of comics and do it in a sleek and easy way that doesn't clutter up your uh, your desk or your whatever. You can put the book. I'm into that. So these are, with Comic Bento, you pay your, your subscription fee, you get in on it. Once a month, you get a box of comics sent to you, and it's usually in the form of three to five or four to five graphic novels. Okay. Um, which are great because it's a better chunk than just sending you random issues of things or anything like that. You get a full story. Um, you get introduced to some stuff that you may not have picked up otherwise if you're a regular reader. And if you're not a regular reader, it's the perfect way to get into uh, the world of comics because we tend to take it uh, a little bit left of center in that uh, it's not just you know Superman and Spider-Man and what you've seen in the movie theaters. It's all kinds of stuff. And uh, we try to pack them in there with a theme. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah, before we get into the content, because people are actually, you know, of course, they're going to want to know, get an idea of what comes in there and what, give us an idea. We're going to open up a couple here and talk about what's in there. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the most basic concept, which is the box itself and the way that it's packaged. And I know that sounds funny, <laughs> but I was immediately, listen, I was really impressed. I've never seen a monthly subscription service that had packaging that was, first of all, it's gorgeous. It looks beautiful. It's not just a bland, you know, beige box. It's beautiful graphics on there, but it's packaged so well the way that 
that you vacuum pack the graphic novels, the mm-hmm. way that the box doesn't bend. And I think for collectors, I mention this because people that are comic readers are also collectors a lot of the time, and keeping their books pristine is a big deal. So you guys put a lot of effort into the way this is packaged, yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, you know, with each comic bento box, we guarantee at least $50 MSRP worth of, the value. of, of books. Yeah. Right. So if we're going to be shipping that all over the uh, the North Americas, uh, we want to make sure that it gets there in pristine condition, just like you picked it up off the shelf at uh, a, a bookstore or a comic store or anything like that. And, you know, books that will continue to look good on your shelf. Okay, so let's talk about, so you say $50 worth of value, at MSRP. Least, at least. What does it cost the actual person to subscribe right now? Uh, as low as seventeen fifty. I like that, plus shipping, obviously. Plus the, uh, the S and the H, the shipping. Okay, so let, Mitchell, you have a November box in your hands, and the November mm-hmm. theme was... Uh, November I mean, theme was Button Mash, which was all video game-themed comics. Okay, so, so yeah, let's, let's break into this box, Mitchell. Don't Try not to you know, you know break the actual box, because no, it is I'm beautiful. Actually, Maybe you could send it back for a refund. <laughs> No, no, exactly. By the way, no I'm refunds. open now. And I wasn't joking when I said it is vacuum packed. You know, you've seen mm-hmm. those food sealers. That that same concept is used here to sh- you know shrink wrap against a cardboard backing. Ah. Collectors will appreciate mm-hmm. that. Can't mm-hmm. tell you how many old books I have that are cardboard I've... backed in a plastic bag in my closet. <laughs> Mitchell, I've seen the operation here, and it is it actually they do steaks on one side and they do comic yep. bento on the other. It's it's a, it's a perfect number. exactly. One time we grilled a book, it was not. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was, didn't it didn't work out very well. Bad. Very bad. Okay, let me but... tell you something here. We're not talking. Uh, you know, little $3, $4 comics here. We're talking about beautiful graphic novel books, bound mm-hmm. books that are beautiful. And Oh, look at this. Okay, you want to start with what I have on top? Yeah, go for it. I have Penny, Arca- Penny Arcade, Attack of the Bacon Robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Penny yes. Arcade is a, a long-running web strip that, uh, you know, they made their bones dealing in video games and uh, video game industry-type comics. So that's where we get that one in there. Okay, this is beautiful. Okay, and look at this. Uh, people who are going to be in the video game world. You said, as you said, the theme was video games. Mm-hmm. And we are looking at Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man Worlds. Cl- I think, you know, Nintendo fans, first of all, are going to oh, go yeah. nuts for this as long as readers. But yeah, Kindred Spirits, Volume 1. So you have Sonic and Mega Man teaming up. Two of the biggest names in video games that aren't plumbers. <laughs> you know? Well said. Well said. <laughs> that is very well put. Okay, look at this. I, okay, look, I, you oh, know what surprises me, Mitchell? Because yeah, I, I don't right. have that box in front of me. Is that I expected, you know, just kind of short form, you know, graphic novels, comic books. But these oh, are these, these are, are gorgeous, books. gorgeous, these are gorgeous, glossy they, you know, books. Beautiful. And they, you know, there's something about it. Listen. I've also, and I, I don't know if you guys are the same, I've been a comic guy since I was about 8 or 10 years old. That puts me 40-plus years collecting. Uh, there's something special. I love digital stuff. I love digital media. Yeah. And I've read digital I've read digital comics, and it's fun. You can zoom in. But it's like there's something about just the book, having the book in your hand, mm-hmm. getting a fresh book in the pages. I sniff them. I know it's a little weird, but there's, <laughs> there's some things that just can't go completely digital, yes? I mean, I find the same thing with, uh, I buy a lot of Silver Age and Golden Age books, right? and it's the same thing. You pull them out and you, you there's a little must to them and you get really excited and, you're, oh, and there's nothing wrong with doing both right yeah. you can read digitally and collect uh, exactly okay. oh, but what's what just yeah. to, to interrupt for a second just yeah. the um the, the cool part about comic bento being all graphic novels is that they are books that you know you can keep in pristine condition do whatever but they're also books that are probably not going to have a huge collector uh, value now some will and we'll get to that when we get to the December box but um, they're they're Mainly, you know, mass-produced type things that you can read and you can share and you can, you know, that Mega Man book, you can sit down and read that with a little guy in your life yeah. or gal, you know, that kind of Absolutely. thing. And you can really share comics because that's what it's all about for us at the heart of it is just sharing comics that we like, that we know are good. 
I love that. I love that. So yeah, it's a social. It's a big, big social thing as well, which exactly. makes it really cool. Yeah, because yeah. listen, uh, uh, us gadget and comic nerds, we can sort of get into our own little man or, or woman caves and mm -hmm. not socialize. So it's nice to have a social element. Okay, look at this. All right, I've never heard of woman cave before. <laughs> you mainstreamers out there, and I'm not. Hey, listen, not turning my nose at the mainstreamers, but something more people might recognize: Marvel superhero. Contest of Champions. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking here, you look at the cover mark, you'll see almost every Marvel character you can ever recognize here. So this is in here as well. This is beautiful. Yeah, that reprints the, uh, the original classic comic uh, Contest of Champions and ties into their new uh, iOS game. Oh, cool. Of the same name. Oh, oh, that is really. Oh, look, look, Namor, the Submariner, which you don't see enough. I'm sorry. I've always been a Submariner <laughs> fan, and I can never get enough of him. Even though he comes out and he steals Reed Richards' wife, I, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we go. And last but not least, ooh, to coincide with the game release as well, which is a brilliant game, mm -hmm. Tomb Raider Season of the Witch Volume 1. Look at this. Mm -hmm. Beautiful beautiful artwork on this as well. Uh, written by industry heavyweight Gail Simone, too. She's beautiful. a friend of the family and uh, does a lot of great work. I would bet that that box there in your hands, Mitchell, is probably worth more than $50 MSRP if you look at the back of those books and see what the price are. I mean, those, some of those books look like $25, $30 books that you'd go buy in a in a bookstore for sure. But by the way, if you're just tuning in, it is your tech report, Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Woodfield mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, joined by Jeff Moss, the overseer of all for comicbento.com. <laughs> yeah. So that was the November box. So what's the yeah. theme for December, Jeff? Well, December, we decided to do throwbacks. Oh, cool. Was the Ooh. theme. So everything is a classic something. Okay. So, and this one, this is a box that I'm really proud of. Not only is this box got probably one of our most uh, high prestige Ooh. items in it, but okay. this is also our biggest MSRP total total value to begin with. So I'm excited already. Let's let's get <laughs> we got the box, so we open her up and and this one, I'll be honest, I, I threw it together so it's not sexy and uh well this is a good thing we're a radio but, show. Uh, yeah listen to the to the shrink. Yeah, listen to the shrink <laughs> There you so, go. So <laughs> we start off with uh Young Blood. Oh which nice. if anyone is uh, uh ever heard of Image Comics which I'm sure most people have, even if you're just yes, a fan yeah. of The Walking Dead. Uh, this is the book that kicked off Image Comics. Cool. The very first uh, title was Young Blood by Rob Liefeld, so it is classic in that it has uh, it started a revolution in comics because before Image came along, there was pretty much Marvel DC, and that was it. Can I ask you a quick question from a collector's point of mm -hmm. view? Because I have a bunch of Image comics. Uh, image comics. I have a bunch of number ones. Young Blood being among them. Uh, we all do. Versions of the Young Blood cover. So here's the whole thing. A lot of people talk about Image Comics when they first came out, just to establish themselves. They overproduced the first couple of runs of a lot of their mm -hmm. a lot of their new characters. Is there still value because they made so many in original number ones of some of the Image like Young Blood? Um, with Young Blood specifically. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't okay. think there's a whole lot of collectability yeah. there. Some of the things you see, like the first 10 issues of Spawn, will, will quite often retain a little bit of value, this yeah. kind of thing. But these were the first books uh, in quite a while that sold in the millions. Wow. So the wow. more of them there are... Sort yeah, of I know. Less... They, they put a lot of it was, you know what? It was sort of they had to find a, a balance there yeah. because they wanted to establish, and you know, so that was you know, they put out a lot of them. That was, it yeah, was indicative anyway. of the industry at the time too, where yep, exactly things, you know, everything came out with ten covers. There were holograms, chromium, all that <laughs> good stuff. So ash can, all that stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, which which I actually just as a side note, I collect that stuff now because you can find <laughs> it in quarter bins, and some of it is phenomenal. That's it's, awesome, it's wonderful. That's awesome. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Go, let's hear the rest all right. Of the box. So yeah. continuing with the classics, uh, we have from Dynamite Publishing, Battlestar Galactic. 
Galactica. Oh, very and cool. now this is classic because it's not the the reboot that we all know and love from the the sci-fi. The this is a story from the original Battlestar Galactica, new tale in an old world, which is pretty uh, pretty cool, and uh, it's got a, a nice uh, nice chunk of story in there too. Yeah. Um, and then we were able to do. Uh, one of my favorite things in the world, which is include uh, a Marvel Masterworks oh, volume oh, in cool. the uh, in the uh, December box. Now these take Marvel comics from the beginning of the Marvel Age. Like this one in particular is uh, uh, the Invincible Iron Man, and it collects uh, way back before even Iron Man had his own title, Tales of Suspense. That's right. Uh, all the way through and includes the first appearance of Iron Man and this kind of thing, and it reprints them in a really nice. High gloss paper that's uh, you know you can read the the origins the original stories that bring us these main uh, Marvel characters. What I love uh, the the idea I love about this, other than obviously for those who who are really into graphic novels and comic books, is that this is a great. I can think of about a dozen people who would mm-hmm. love getting this as a gift, and it'd be sure. something that I would definitely do, which is very 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 cool. For sure, and we actually have uh, a shop up available on the store now where people can go and see previous bentos. Okay. And if we have, you know, five or six left over or whatever, they can buy them as one-off purchases, wrap them up, give them to a friend, all that good stuff. Awesome. And and the really neat thing that we're not talking about as well, just one added value thing here Mm -hmm. is for a lot of stuff, for a lot of reprints that you're talking about, origin stories, it's a real great way for people to be reintroduced to characters and comics they may not otherwise be able to because obviously you can't go back and get a number one Spider-Man or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Amazing Tales or mm-hmm. any of these, you know, looking back at my old Doctor Strange stuff. The only way you're going to get some of these without spending a fortune is to look at some of these reissues that are done beautifully in these bound vo- volumes, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, finally for December, we have this beautiful uh, oversized hardcover. Oversized to the point that we had to get ex- different size boxes. For I remember. Summer. Trust me, I remember that. So we had to do uh, custom boxes. Um, it's called The Fifth Beetle, the Brian Epstein story. And you don't get much oh. more classic than The Beatles, right? <laughs> and so this is a gorgeous uh, collector's edition of the... Um, the story, it's all about Brian Epstein, who was the Beatles' manager. He discovered them, prompted them to fame, and then died quite young. Um, we actually were able to get a hold of uh, the author as well, and he signed 100 copies that oh, were randomly cool. inserted into uh, bento boxes for December. That's awesome. So when you break it all down, this is actually a $50 book. This one is a $25 book. This one is a $20 book, and that one is a $10 book. So we're looking at uh, $75, $85, almost 100 bucks worth of comics That's for awesome. 20 bucks. Wow, that's huge. That's a huge value. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, we strive for is to give you the value, the variety, and uh, a different perspective. Because, you know, you always want to go into a comic store and say, hey, what's good? What do you got? What do you need? Lots of people don't have comic stores. Yeah. So let us do that for this you. This is the way to do it. I love it. Jeff Moss, overseer of all for Comic Bento. Aww. Again, price uh, $17 plus shipping and handling Low and all that fun stuff. $17.50. That's right. There's different uh, length of plans that you can check out. It's okay. all at comicbento.com. Awesome. Check out comicbento.com. Mitchell, we've got uh, more Your Tech Report around the corner. We'll take it away from graphic novels and go back to some some fun consumer electronics when we come back, okay? Uh, Yeah, but that's not before you package that box up that you have and send it to me. I think you're on the subscription list now, aren't you? I better be. I want that box. When we come back, we talk more about CES, which was just a couple weeks ago, and we talk to a great company called D-Link. There's more Your Tech Report after this.
to your tech report. Mark Flallow, Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. On Twitter, it's at your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. Our email address is contact at your tech report.com. Mitchell, you know, CES is, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago, but this, the news will continue on and on and on. And the story is now shaping up, you know, up for the year and for the years to come. So one of the companies that really span an insane amount of tech territory, I'm talking about first established on the business side of things, D-Link, they excel at large scale networking, IP based surveillance, data storage. Their products are behind like the backbone of the internet at the ISPs. There are so many places that you will find D-Link products, but on the consumer side of things, you know, if you listen to the show, we, we focus in on things like the cameras and, and the routers, and and you know, we had we talked about their brand new ultra wide view ca- camera just about a month and a half That's ago. Right. So, needless to say, D-Link covers a lot of ground. So, CES is obviously a big stage for a company like that. So, on the line with us is Ken Lloyd, director of consumer product marketing at D-Link. Ken, are, 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 have you survived CES? <laughs> yep, I survived CES for another year. I tell you, it's it's a it's a crazy show. Lots of great new products and announcements, um, and it really kicks off the start of the year with some some great products for the consumers to buy. You know, throughout the year. So, so tell me, what Ken is the most exciting on your top ten list of things announced at CES from D-Link? Well, we we announced actually a lot of different products in in various categories, Mark. You mentioned around networking and connected home and our camera line. Probably the most exciting thing to me is a product that we're calling the Whole Home Wi-Fi Router Kit. And it's a a mouthful here, but it's with adaptive roaming technology. And what really makes this exciting, Mark, is, you know, over the last year and a half, we've added a lot of great features to, to add performance and ease of use with home networking. Um, but what, the, what this product does is really address the Wi-Fi dead zones and the, the requirement to roam around the house with the greatest bandwidth and connection back to the Internet uh, seamlessly for end users. So you, and, you know, oh, oh, go ahead. So you got, you're, the term you're using is a unified home Wi-Fi network, correct? So it's a, it's a line of routers that not only support you know the, the main actual access point, but has a, a, a various extensions that allow you to seamlessly kind of walk throughout your space and not have those dead zones anymore. That's correct. Yeah, you know, over the last year and a half, uh, wireless extenders have just grown in popularity, you know, mainly because, you know, people are using their Wi-Fi in, in more locations in their home due to the, the mobile uh, smartphones and tablets and, you know, streaming of media to different places in the home. And while extenders have done great and have addressed some of those connectivity problems, and even technologies like the Smart Connect, which is included in our Ultra Series routers, aids into that uh, connection standpoint, the real issue is it still requires users today to set up and configure and manage which particular radio are they connecting to? Yeah. Is it the extender or the router? Right. And the analogy I like to use is the, the whole cell phone experience. You know, when somebody connects their phone and they're roaming around, the phone itself is talking to the cell towers, and users don't have to worry about what tower it's connecting to, nor do they have to worry about does their phone have the software or the chip to make it all work. It just happens, and it happens seamlessly. And our adaptive roaming technology and this router extender pair basically provides that same level of experience to an end user. 
That example is a is a great one, Ken. Because I can you imagine as a consumer if you had to every time you you exited a certain area had to manually drop off and drop onto the next access point. You, you'd never use your phone again. So this is something that I know Mitchell is probably smiling at because he he has this issue where and I do too where I had these dead zones in my home and I've used extenders and I have various networks throughout my home of varying strength. So the the ability to have one network one name that I know that I got you know go on and one place when I can go to my backyard and come back in. That's a pretty big deal and a pretty big step forward in the way wireless technology is working today, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, over the last two years, as wireless AC has hit the market, um, we've actually spent, you know, the energy of providing faster and faster wireless uh, networks, which has been great because now you can stream content and not have the, the buffering and the lags that you used to have. And now it's really about how do you best utilize that bandwidth and that experience as more and more devices get connected. Uh, you mentioned Internet of Things. So as I connect more devices on the home network, as I stream more high-end, uh, even 4K kind of media, you know, as an end user, I just want the best bandwidth. I don't want to have to think on am I connected to the 5 gigahertz radio or the 2.4 gigahertz radio um, so I'm real excited about this because this really takes the intelligence and puts it into the router and extender and just makes a very seamless environment for end users to use uh, their existing devices. doesn't require any software changes or special client adapter on their device. Uh, so existing legacy products will work with the uh, router and extender uh, using this adaptive roaming technology. Hey, Ken, this is Mitchell, and you touched on something, and it's it's obvious that D-Link cares and puts effort into the user experience, because with these products especially that years ago were things that hid behind desks, now that they're so much uh, in the forefront of what we do every day, the user experience becomes more and more important. And what I get more and more what you're saying is basically with technology like you're talking about, this seamless connectivity technology, some of the best technologies are the ones that consumers should never have to know or even think about. They happen behind the scenes. That's what that cell tower, cell tower analogy is so powerful, is that it really is true when a technology is so invisible and seamless that consumer never has to know about it, that to me is a sign of a great advancement in technology. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and, you know, our energy and focus, to your point, has been not just adding the fastest products in the marketplace, but making that experience so that more and more users can enjoy their Wi-Fi and, you know, a lot of people just don't know, you know, what their pain points are today. Is it, is it the broadband coming in? Is it their home Wi-Fi network? Is it the end device? Uh, so by putting more intelligence into the network, uh, it just works. And to an end user, it's just a better experience. How have you had? How have you handled, Ken, the the, the setup of this uh, new unified home Wi-Fi network? Is it uh, is it is it smartphone based? Is it uh, via software? Uh, great question. Yeah. So you know, all our routers today have been uh, mobile app enabled. Um, so everything is is easy setup either through your uh, mobile app. Uh, we do also include a uh, web GUI, so you can actually go through a you know internet um, browser. And it's a graphical environment that's touch-enabled, uh, so it makes setup extremely easy. Um, and with this particular solution, it is a router extender that comes uh, purchased as a pair. 
Um, and even on the extender, one of the challenges today with extenders is where to best locate them. Exactly. Um, and if you put the extender too far away from the router, you're basically just repeating a poor signal. And right. you're going to get a poor experience. And uh, so what we do on the extender is actually have some LEDs, um, and it'll tell you where the best placement is of the extender, if you're too far, if you're too close, uh, or if you're just in that right spot to extend your Wi-Fi to those dead zones. What's also great about this is that it's obviously it's backwards compatible with any of your existing D-Link products. For example, my house that's covered in cameras right now, which is uh, which is very cool. I wanted to talk about the smart home for a minute because there's one product uh, in particular that you announced that uh, is really, really cool and caught my attention. Um, that is the smart alarm. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this is basically a digital ear that connects any product in your home that makes a noise to you or to the internet. So if a smoke alarm is going off, if a carbon monoxide detector is going off, if if something happens, it can trigger different notifications and things in your in your smart home, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that D-Link has learned and, and focused on over the last few years on this whole connected home uh, segment is most customers today are looking for solutions around security and safety. Um, so we've seen, you know, huge growth and adoption of Wi-Fi cameras uh, because people want to check in on their home, uh, their pets or their loved one. And if we look at the safety piece of it, you know, last year we launched a water sensor uh, yep. for those that, uh, you know, you could put near your washer and dryer and get notified if there's a leak. And so this whole segment around safety and what we've seen is, you know, these smart uh, uh, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors in the marketplace um, but they are expensive, and not everybody wants to, you know, get on a ladder and replace all their uh, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors in their home. So what this little device does is you plug it into a, a AC outlet, and it basically listens. Um, and if a smoke detector or carbon monoxide goes off, it'll send a push notification to your mobile phone, and you can even integrate it with other MyDealing connected home devices like a siren. Uh, you can even turn on a light with a smart plug. Um, so it actually turns a dumb existing smoke detector into a smart uh, device. The other thing that you announced at CES was that the, the MyDealink app and these smart devices are now going to be able to be used with IFTTT, which is a, a great service that we've been pushing for a long time, which allows you to not only trigger, as you said, you know, notifications, but you can trigger a myriad of things. And that is very, very cool, especially for those people who use multiple different pieces of technology throughout their home and want different events to happen. So I, I applaud that addition, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, a, a big request from consumers um, because, you know, one of the things is they want a, a solution set that will, you know, expand over time, uh, integrate with other devices uh, so that they're not necessarily just, you know, buying a, a standard or a single ecosystem uh, that they can use with other devices and services. So by adding the, the IFT support, we now allow customers to not only tie with other devices, uh, but to your point, even linked to different services um, like, you know, weather.com. So if it's going to rain tomorrow, I can turn off my sprinklers before it rains. So some really cool things you can do with that, uh, that support. 
Uh, you know, Ken, you, you took you took the words right out of my mouth. Literally, um, one of the things I was going to mention in terms of big picture, we see so many companies, so many manufacturers that create closed ecosystems. That and, and the consumers, from the consumer standpoint, is okay. I'm being forced to buy more products within that ecosystem. I have to buy A, B, or C. But the great thing about dealing products is, to me, one of the great things is you have that open ecosystem. You encourage people to add pieces if they already have an existing system. You can take this dealing piece and plug it into your existing system. You're not forced consumers to buy everything of one type. And I think that's really cool, and I hope we get to see more of that. No, absolutely. We, we got a lot of stuff planned for 2016 uh, around that same kind of experience and, and openness. Um, and, you know, as, as you guys have talked about uh, the connected home previously, um, you know, all our solutions are Wi-Fi enabled, uh, which is another great benefit because it doesn't force users to purchase a, a separate uh, hub device uh, to make these devices work, I could use a standard uh, existing home Wi-Fi network. Uh, so from an end-user experience, again, going back to um, the, the experience on the unified adapter uh, solution, it's a seamless kind of a work environment for end-users in their home. They don't have to set up a separate hub and worry about radios and Z-Wave and Zigbee. Um, it all just works. One of the flagship routers that you released at CES was the uh, the AC nineteen hundred, and you know I can get into the details in terms of the the thousand milliwatt antennas that offer incredible incredible range, um, the smart beam technology, et cetera, et cetera. But the design of these new routers it really is absolutely cool. Can you is there a reason behind the design of these? Yeah, you know, last year we launched the uh, Ultra Series Wi Fi routers, which garnered a lot of great reviews because it was a very unique design with the, the, the bright red, very stylish, um, you know, car-like kind of finish to it. And, you know, customers want more than just a plain old router that they sit in the corner. Um, you know, as they do the connected home, um, you know, style is part of the, the user experience. Uh, so following the, the, the success of the Ultra Series, we wanted to come out with a line of routers that still provided the stylish design, the great performance uh, and coverage characteristics, but at a little bit more affordable price. You know, we know that not everybody has a budget to spend for, you know, two or $300 router. Um, so with the ExoSeries routers, we have an AC1900 with some great capabilities and performance at a 149 price point. Uh, so it really hits to the, that mainstream user that, that wants all the great style and performance but ne- not necessarily have the money to spend for a $300 router. Hey, Ken, for our listeners that aren't that well-facile when it comes to home networking or routers in general, I know with televisions we tell people look for refresh rates, uh, you know, look for you know, what kind of resolution. There, there are key points to look for when you're looking for certain devices. When you're looking to buy a new router, a new wireless router, what are some of the points, the key things that the consumer should be looking for uh, when it comes to buying a router? Well, that's a great question, and I, and I think from a user standpoint, the first thing is kind of what are you going to plan to do with, with your home network? You know, if, if you are going to be doing a lot of media streaming and you're doing uh, a lot of device connectivity, uh, certainly things like tri-band routers um, or dual-band routers will give you more options to connect uh, and keep the, the good experience of that connection. Um, if you're in a smaller home or, you know, something that you're just starting off and you're not having a lot of devices connected to, um, you know, the speed is not necessarily the most important. 
uh, but you certainly want to have at least an AC1750 and above uh, because that gives you the, the dual-band capability and, and good performance and longevity. Um, we really don't see wireless in technology uh, staying around. We think that uh, users will get more benefit uh, with wireless AC. Right. Um, the other thing I'll address with the question, it's just more than wireless speed. Um, so going back to the adaptive roaming, um, you know, do you have a large home where you want to use Wi-Fi in multiple locations? So things, whether it's adaptive roaming as we launch that technology here this year, or even uh, some of our routers like the XO with Smart Connect, where you create one SSID and let the router determine what radio the device connects to. Um, so that would be something I would look to as an end user for a better experience on their home network. Um, so I would, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Sorry. Continue. I, I would look to Wi-Fi speed and then look to what kind of applications are you doing and how many devices are connecting uh, and then let that help decide what type of router you want. So, Ken, so look at a home like mine that has way too many uh, devices connected at a time. Um, you have a, a flagship, I guess you'd call it, in, in the AC5300, which is a, a, a tri-band router, which is absolutely probably the, the, the big grandpa here. Can you talk about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that is an AC5300 speed, so it's the fastest Wi-Fi uh, speed available. Uh, it is a tri-band, so it includes two 5 gigahertz bands and a 2.4 gigahertz. Now, some people may not know what that really means, um, but what it allows the end user to do is if you have a lot of devices in your home, uh, such as what you mentioned you have, um, I can connect or the router will determine where to connect those devices. So the more radios I can then connect and get the best bandwidth to those devices without having everything clogged on one particular radio or channel. Um, so certainly the, the AC5300 with tri-band is going to give somebody phenomenal performance as well as great coverage in their home. And you don't necessarily have to be a gamer to take advantage of it. Uh, certainly if somebody's doing gaming where you want fast speeds and, and low latency, phenomenal router. Uh, but even if you just have a lot of devices and, uh, and you need good coverage, that AC5300 router will give you a, a great experience. Ken, I want to thank you that, uh, for taking the time to join us uh, today. I can probably go into so many more products, but we obviously don't have the time to do that. In terms of availability for these CES-announced products, um, coming months, some available now, what's it looking like? Yeah, so the uh, the XO router, uh, the first one will be available here in the, the first quarter. Uh, we're looking at February of this year, so just, just next month with the AC1900 product. Um, and again, that's at 149 price point, so a great price and yeah. performance and style. Uh, the adaptive roaming router and extender solution uh, will be available in the second quarter, uh, and that price is uh, at 369. So for both a router and adapter, that's a, a great price point, um, and it's a AC4300 solution, so you'll get great performance and coverage. Uh, and then the smart alarm detector, we're looking at second quarter of this year as well. And what's great about that device is it's a $59 device. That's great. So a very wow. inexpensive way to basically make a smart home uh, with your smoke and carbon monoxide. 
Love it. Well, you have a, you have a great product roadmap, and we look forward to getting hands-on with, uh, with all these things down the road. Ken Lloyd, Director of Consumer Product Marketing over at D-Link, thank you again for joining us. We look forward to – always look forward to chatting with you. Yes, thanks, Mark and Mitchell. I appreciate you having me on today. There's more great Your Tech Report around the corner. Stick around. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and contact at YourTechReport.com. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Please follow us on Twitter. It's at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And of course, the pages of YourTechReport.com. And don't forget our email address, which is contact at YourTechReport.com. Mitchell, I walked into the Apple store the other day, and my wife, here's what happened. My wife dropped her phone. Not only of course she dropped her well, phone. It's, it's a day with a Y in it, so of course she did, well, okay. yes. She dropped yeah. her phone, the, <laughs> the, the screen, beautiful, beautiful, nice kind of shatter mark on it. And then uh, later in the night, after I'd scheduled the Apple Care appointment for the next day to go in and change the watch, uh, the, the phone, she dropped it again. So it was like, oh, okay. you know, I guess once it was broken once, why not break it again? So I go into the <laughs> Apple store, and, and, and there's, I'm getting to a point with this story. I go into the Apple store, and uh, I said, this is going to be an appointment that requires no words, sir. I pull out her phone, I put it on the counter. He looks at the screen and he points me over to the wall and says, there's some beautiful cases you can buy for your wife, sir. <laughs> and I said, look in my right hand, sir. I've already bought that case. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> the reason I wanted to bring up the Apple story is because yeah. he, I got my receipt for the case and I got my receipt for the, the repair. And I, I pull up my Apple Watch and I was like, hey, see, I just got it there. And he looks over at me and he says, he goes, Oh, how are you enjoying the Apple Watch? It was kind of, kind of took me off guard because the guy, you know, this is a guy who works at Apple. I'm like, he's surprised that I'm liking the Apple Watch, but I guess he was, everybody's still genuinely excited about. Yeah, it was a genuine question. Yeah. He really wanted to know how your experience was. Because yeah. people, I think, you know, we, we give, take this for granted being in this industry and, and, and people not necessarily having, you know, mass appeal for these watches yet, right. but, but they're growing into its own. So I said, you know what? I said, I said, you know what? The watch is, it, it has its use. It's fun. But it's not, I think it's a couple years away from its necessity in life because I use it for workouts and stuff like that. But I wanted to talk about, you know, being with the Apple Watch for just about a year now. What are your experiences? I find it still still a bit slow. I think I think it still doesn't have necessarily 100% usefulness in my life yet. Well, no, this is this is a really good question. I think for, I have to start off by answering my experience has been night and day since we, we you know, when we talked about uh, how we setting our device, our phone, yeah. right? We reset our phones and that, of course, affected the performance of the Apple Watch and how it interacts with the phone to that point interacting with the phone, here's what I think has to change. And remember, think about the, you know, the Android Wear, the Galaxy line or the Galaxy Gear phone Samsung put out. Think about how many iterations, how many versions of that watch were put out before they got the basic idea that the watch was not necessarily going to be successful on its own until it became a more autonomous product. And what I mean by that is, Mark, until it didn't depend, and I mean literally depend, literally depend. on, on yeah. your smartphone and its internal workings. Because remember, it uses these watches, or at least the Apple Watch now, uses the GPS of your phone. It uses the phone signal from your phone. Any sort of connectivity with messaging, uh, emails, phone calls, it's getting that because it's connected by, you know, um, low, what is it? Um, Bluetooth, low, low, low energy Bluetooth. Low energy Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. So that's how it's getting it. So I think if Apple really wants this product to take off, and they do, it needs to have a lot of these chips and sensors on board the device itself. So if you don't have your phone with you, if you're going for a run, if you're an athlete and do not want to have the bulk, even though it's on your arm or in yeah. your pocket, you don't want that extra heft of a phone with you, 
it'll still be a fully functioning device with all the bells and whistles, GPS tracking location, everything that attracts that it relies on your phone for, it needs to rely on itself for. I think Galaxy Gear now is a more autonomous product. It has LTE built in. It's standalone. Exactly. Exactly. So you don't have to worry. So I think, Mark, for me, it will become that next-gen product when, yes, it needs to be faster. And, of course, Apple always makes every version of its faster, right? That's Murphy's Law. It's going to be faster. It's going to always be faster and and more powerful, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but they need to make it a device that stands on its own. It doesn't need... It's great if it does tether with your phone and then it's able to download and exchange information, keep up on our fitness apps download things, you know, just when they communicate with each other, all those things, but it needs to function on its own. What about you? Well, you've been wearing it for a while, but a little bit longer than I have. What do you think? What do you like? And what do you think needs to change? It's maybe- it so funny because I, I got, I, this is the second time someone asked me the question. Uh, the other question that was posed to me about a month ago was, are you still wearing your Apple watch? <laughs> almost so, so almost in connoting that he's not anymore. Right. Or, or should I buy it? Are you still using it type of thing? And the, and the answer was, Yes, um, I'm not entirely sure why I'm still wearing it because I have some other timepieces. I think the notifications, having notifications on your wrist, having your your wrist notify you when your phone is ringing, getting right. those day to day things that you normally pull out your phone for, really are time savers and also uh, avoid time wasters. You know, because yeah. when you pick up your phone to look at a notification, you tend to say, "Okay, let me check my email, let me check Facebook, let me do, if I have time, I'm gonna." It's almost like a gateway drug into the other things on your device. <laughs> but, I like that, yeah. But having it on my wrist, it's like, okay, I see the notification. I don't need to act on that right now, so I can just kind of ignore it, or I can look at it and, and do things. Uh, um, I found it come in handy for navigational purposes because I have CarPlay in my car now. So when my phone is plugged in and I'm navigating somewhere that I don't know about, um, not only do I get the directions on the nav, but you can also mute that if I wanted to, right. but I get the tap on the wrist saying something's coming up. And it, that's actually quite intelligent because you get distracted driving, looking at things, trying to get places, especially when you're looking for directions. Sometimes you're, you're paying too much attention so you miss something. Well, the watch giving the haptic feedback when it needs to grab your attention for something really is good, especially when you're looking for an exit or something down the road. But in, but I'll give you a perfect case of when I don't use it. For example, uh, my car has a, a remote car starter, and there's an app on my phone and an app on my watch to start my car. But when I go on my watch, I have to hit the button, I have to launch the app, wait, it to st- wait for it to start, hit the button, wait for it to go, talk to the phone and come back before it does anything. It's not like it's it's the apps are so tightly integrated that it just does your action right there. There's too much time between saying, okay, I want to do something, going to that particular thing on your phone or your, sorry, on your on your watch, and that actually executing, like opening a door, for example. Right, exactly. And I think people have to understand there are different types of apps for the Apple Watch. There are what we call native apps that are designed to run directly on the watch. And then there are mirrored apps that work in conjunction with your phone. And some of these apps that you're talking about, Remote Car Start, they are mirrored apps that are made to work in conjunction with the app on your phone. So there is that lag time of, you know, communication between the two things. And and by the way, for people that are sort of laughing, they're in warmer parts of uh, of the States remote or in, car in Canada. You know what? Yeah, it's mobile, good for air conditioning starting. too. 
If you ever sat through a Montreal or New York winter, you wouldn't be laughing at this because starting no. your car from a remote distance and getting it warmed up in time for a harsh East Coast winter, it really is a very useful thing, isn't it? Speaking of which, I've been trying to get hold of the friends, uh, you know, these guys at Viper because they have Smart Start, which you, you think it's funny to be able to start your car from your phone. But if you think about it, it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm glad oh, they came out with this. Think of this when you're landing on a plane. You know it's going to take you 45 minutes to get from, from your plane to your bag to your car. You're not within range to start your car, even if you have a two-way car starter. Well, thanks to the cellular technology, you just hit start. You could be in Toronto and start your car in Montreal. You could be in Los Angeles and start your car in New York. It's absolutely quite brilliant. So in terms of the watch, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, those those, third-party apps or those apps that don't run natively on the watch Really, they don't really do it for me. But you know what? Even the native apps, the the newer apps that Apple has come out with, and those people putting out native apps for the watch, I still don't find them um, as as quick as they should be, or at my fingertips as quick as they should be. I don't find Siri to be very very quick to respond with my watch. If I go, "Hey Siri," I, I don't know what's going to act first, my watch or my phone. It's 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 going to come into its own. I know it is, and we get this question a lot. But it's going to take time, and I'm anxious to see the next watch. Well, Siri, as much as it's integrated into the watch, again, if you're if you're asking Siri any question that involves anything but the most basic thing like time, uh, it is still pulling information from your phone. So the main problem that we have with Siri on the on Apple Watch is the fact that you are going to have that delay because even in the best case, most basic information, it still is relying on retrieving that information. And even with Bluetooth being as fast as it's become, the latest Bluetooth version, it's still there is still going to be that lag. And that's why it needs everything on board the watch itself to create a more seamless experience. And that that's going to happen because that's going to be it's going to be an all in one one chip, obviously, that's going to have all these things, GPS, everything built into the chip. And like to your point earlier, Mark, it's going to be a faster chip. So I think generation by generation, it's going to be incrementally better every time we try it. Mitchell, it is your tech report. You are Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Flalo. You are. It's been an awesome week. Thanks to all the guests who joined us this week on this edition of your tech report. Again, check your on Twitter. It is at your tech report. You know what? I'll let someone else take care of that. Thanks for joining us this week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. 
Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.